Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning from not so sunny Rapid City, South Dakota. I'm Father Brian Christensen. And I'm Karen Gibis. And we're here with Real Presence Live on this Friday morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, Karen, normally we're broadcasting uh, high above the Cathedral of Our Lady Perpetual Help on a sunny Black Hills Day. On a sunny. Instead, it's not sunny. No. And uh, yeah, we have delayed school reports here because of icy roads and uh, treacherous uh, travel. So... uh, be careful out there if you're in the Black Hills region. And for the rest of you, I hope you're enjoying sunshine and crisp, cool, beautiful um, winter weather here in our region. Those who are uh, in other places might be enjoying other kinds of weather. And, uh, <laughs> that's exciting. Uh, today's the memorial of St. Agnes, a virgin and martyr, uh, martyred on this day in 304 under the persecutions of uh, Diocletian. You know, uh, she's only 12 years old. That twelve years old is such an inspiration. <laughs> you know, and I think you know it's been amazing for these seventeen hundred plus years. She's made a tremendous impact on mm-hmm. the on our um, commitment to Christ and, and that youthful um, uh, fidelity that she uh, uh, and joyful, yes. joyful uh, faith that she uh, manifested made an impact on the people of her time and has been transmitted through the ages. And looking for her intercession today as we enter in this real presence live uh, today. How about we pray? Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father of love and mercy, we thank you for every gift and blessing that you give us. The gift of life and the gift of new life that we receive in your Son, Jesus Christ, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. You have called us and have indeed made us sons and daughters, beloved in your eyes. We ask you, by the inspiration and the intercession, the example of St. Agnes, your virgin and martyr, um, that through her intercession, we may follow her example of fidelity, of joyful witness to the good news of the gospel today and every day. And we ask all of these things um, in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Karen, we have a great show lined up uh, today for all of our listeners, and it's great that uh, they're with us today, wherever they're listening from, driving, be safe out there, (laughs) if they're listening online, uh, um, or just uh, wherever they are, uh, what a great day. It is. It's a wonderful day for all of the pro-life movement, especially, but for Christians in general. Yeah, you know, a lot of of folks are heading to D.C. We'll be checking in with them later in the show uh, for the March for Life. Uh, There's other local activities I know going on Mm -hmm. in different states and different uh, communities. Uh, Just uh, last Monday, we go Monday, I was back in New York um, and visiting mom and dad. And uh, my mom had my whole Monday scheduled out. (laughs) So we had uh, the rosary um, at 8 o'clock before 8.30 Mass, which she scheduled me for on <laughs> vacation. So uh, the 8.30 Mass at our local parish on Long Island, New York at St. Francis. And then after that, um, we grabbed a quick cup of coffee, uh, and then we went over to pray 
uh, the rosary and other uh, prayers outside of the Planned Parenthood in the local community uh, in Smithtown. So a great grouping of people there. It was only like 12 degrees out there that day. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I was dressed quite appropriately for 12 degrees. You're just sacrificing but, uh, a little more. Yeah. No, it was really a beautiful time to pray out there. My mom, who's 82, goes out every Monday with her little group at 10 a.m. and mm. is out in front of Planned Parenthood praying the, praying the rosary and um, and getting to meet people as they come in and out of the clinic and um, both workers and young women and families that are contemplating that terrible choice of, uh, of abortion. So, yeah, so I was there. Then we had to go back. Mom has a holy hour from noon to one where at 12.30 um, she had me lead the rosary for priests, for the sanctification of priests. So, um, yeah, by one o'clock I was uh, what kind of wiped out on day one of vacation <laughs> with mom. <laughs> And this is what she does every single week. Every single Father, week. you need to maybe exercise your. <laughs> no, it's great. It's beautiful. She says. She says mom. when she says when you could, when I come to visit you in uh, Rapid City, you always have me doing stuff. So, like, okay, she, that's very fair. Good. That's fair. Well, this morning uh, on Real Presence uh, Live, we're joined by Dr. Stephen Christie, uh, doctor, lawyer, joining us from sunny Miami, Florida. Um, good morning, Dr. Christie. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, fantastic. Um, before we get into to this uh, wonderful um, book that you have uh, uh, coming out, uh, Speaking for the Unborn, um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background? Sure. I'm a, a Catholic married man of twenty over 25 years. I've got five kids. I'm a physician I, and lawyer. I practice medicine full-time uh, as a radiologist. I do cancer work about half my day, GI work half my day. Um, I'm tolerated by my wife. I'm usually <laughs> loved by my kids, and I'm usually disliked by my dog, but that, that's a quick summary. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So um, you're, you've been a lifelong Catholic, um, and have you actually, always... I'm actually, I'm, I'm a convert. You're a convert, okay. Eighteen years ago, I was raised as an atheist, a, a, a progressive, pro-choice liberal. Okay. Um, is how I was raised. Um, I converted, uh, which is a long story for probably another day. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, having married a very strong, very Catholic uh, woman, I I got my life together as as God had hoped. Wow, fantastic, fantastic. Could you just share, I mean, just a little bit about it? I know, like it's, like you said, it's a long story, but what what was it, if you were kind of a pro-choice, liberal, atheist, what, what really moved you to the pro-life understanding uh, of, well, of, so there's of a conversion, reality? There's, there are two conversion stories. One is my pro-life conversion, the other is my Catholic, and they're, they're related but not entirely overlapping. So how I went from pro-choice to pro-life, I, I was raised in a very secular, progressive household. I went to a very pricey, progressive private high school where it was understood that if you were educated, if you were sophisticated, if you were a thinker, you were obviously pro-choice. I don't even know why, but you were obvious. It was so obvious we didn't talk about it. And conversely, pro-lifers were clearly uneducated, non-thinking, backwards, <coughs> excuse me, unlikely intolerant Jesus freaks. Uh, and even when I went to medical school, which is after I went to law school, if you'd asked me why I was pro-choice, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you why. I might have thrown out a cliche, you know, my body, my choice, or personal attack. Uh -huh. And what changed uh -huh. me, really, what really changed me in a word was truth. And in medical school, you actually, you study facts, you study science, you study what the definition of life, you study embryology. And you actually see embryos and fetuses with, you know, in, in your, with your very eyes. And, as, you know, Shakespeare says, the truth will out. 
Mm-hmm. So we learn in medical school there's actually a definition of life, and it's not a matter of philosophy or religion or politics. You know, what is alive is a purely scientific question that science is fully answered. It's spelled out in every embryology textbook you use in every medical school across the world. And there's actually, I don't know how much time we have, but there's actually a precise moment that actually happened that, that really changed my life. I was, my wife and I are both physicians. We went to medical school together and met there. In the, off the anatomy lab, there was this anteroom that nobody ever went into. And one day I sort of stumbled into the room and I saw a cabinet way in the corner, covered in dust. The lights were all burnt out. And on the shelves were jars with formaldehyde, and inside each jar were, were embryos and fetuses in different stages of development. Mm. And I sat, sat there looking at them and looking at them, and I, was, I became horrified at how irreverently they were being displayed. Nobody saw this, this cabinet. It was been discarded for you know, probably years and years and years. So the next day, I hunted down the, the embryology professor, and I, I confessed to her. I said how deeply affected I was by you know, the irreverence which, which these babies were being displayed, and I, and I used the word babies. Mm-hmm. And this professor, mm-hmm. who was a great professor, she was a great professor, she immediately grew angry and agitated and literally yelled at me, saying, they are not babies, they are not babies, they were never alive, they're nothing more than fetuses. And I looked at her, and again, you know, Shakespeare shot into my head from, you know, Hamlet, the lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. And I knew it at that moment, the truth was clear as day for me at that moment, and, and interestingly, I knew she knew it too. Yeah. So that was yeah. the big the big change, you know, science and facts and the truth. You know, that's what we have on, on, on the pro-life side, you know. The pro-choice position sadly relies on cliches, deception, and personal attacks. And the pro-life position relies on facts and truth and science. Can you talk a little bit about your experience? I mean, just for our listeners, I mean, most of us have not gone <laughs> off to medical school. We haven't had those kind of studies. Um, but just the the nature of people who want to see empirical truth and are studying these kind of things, um, how, do, how does that discussion and that debate happen um, among educated you know, people of science who are looking at the reality of conception and human development? How, how, does that, how does that play out day in and day out among professors, among students that, that you experienced while you were in, in medical school with your wife? Well, unfortunately, the ethics and morality surrounding these issues is never discussed. Um, and that's a, that's a real shame, because I didn't have any of that formation growing up. So, what you, but you are confronted with reality. So you're, you are confronted with, with, with science, and, um, and, and when you study biology, you're studying facts. So there's not a whole lot of propaganda you can get when you're actually studying the science itself. And I just, coincidentally, I'm a radiologist, but I started off as an OBGYN and mm-hmm. trained my first half of my career as an OBGYN. And... Excuse me. You see babies every day. You deliver babies every day, and you see probably even more importantly, and 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 sadly, you you see women that are, who are having miscarriages. So you see um, embryos and fetuses regularly, and you hold them in your hands as mm-hmm. as a woman is having a miscarriage. And when you see a moving embryo or a, a moving baby, the truth hits you like a ton of bricks, and there's no avoiding it. Uh, so it's very hard to to allow these cliches and deception and personal attacks to 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 sway you because the the truth is in your hands and so that's that's how those things are. and and it's those experiences that that led for me writing this book so you know there's, there's I sort of say the two reasons I wrote the book wrote the book one is I'm sorry for my cough here is 62 million reasons you know 62 million mm-hmm. abortions mm-hmm. since Roe and if these are living human beings then these kids 62 million children and and also for me what was a revelation during this experience for me is I've learned that the pro-life cause is a winning one. 
And we have to be able to articulate our, our powerful reasons to anyone who asks us. And simply knowing that abortion is wrong, and that's great to know, but simply knowing that abortion is wrong is insufficient to sustain this movement. So over the years, I've stumbled across so many wonderful pro-life arguments and thought it was time to organize them, and compile them, and edit them into one source. And, and I made it user-friendly. So this source, you can take these arguments and these rebuttals into real-life discussions and, and, and circumstances and debates around you and use them. And that's sort of how I got to where I am right now. Um, you know, one of the one of the things is, you know, just kind of uh, looking back on, on your life, the, the change from being, you know, pro-choice kind of almost by by culture, by by the atmosphere that you grew up in, and then the, the discovery of coming to be pro-life and understanding the truth about uh, creation and and the, the reality of, of life. Um, there's another step to becoming more an advocate uh, or an apostle for life. Um, when did that kind of happen in your life, and what motivated that? Well. There were several factors in, in my life, and my Catholic conversion had a lot to do with it. Delivering babies had a lot to do with it. Having, you know, our, our fifth child is adopted from China, where there are forced abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things combine. All those things combine. But for me, in the end, there's 62 million uh, reasons to compel me to do this and to compel all of us. You know, I, I talk in the book about strategy, and I talk about where we speak and how we speak and what we speak, and and the where. I think maybe answers this. So, you know, most people, you know, they, they know Ben Shapiro online, and he goes to the stadiums and battles it out and fights in these arenas, you know? And there's other people that are, you know, you listen to the Dobbs court case, and you see these appellate attorneys, you know, working really hard, or, or legislators that, that are forming laws. But, but, but all of us have a critical role to play. And, and these, these 62 million babies have cried out for our involvement. Mm-hmm. And our jobs most of us, and I put my, me in this role, is, is we're, we're to open the hearts and minds of those we encounter in the ordinary course of our everyday lives with our family and our friends and our co-workers, just one heart at a time. And that's what I think the role we all have. And one thing I've learned through this is, is we have to have courage. You know, you know, Ben Shapiro's brave and gets out there, as a lot of politicians are. You know, but for me, I'm a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Um, you know, when, this, when I go on a radio show like yours, I get nervous. It's not my forte. It's not my strength. But but I have a lot of there's 62 million reasons to get myself out of my comfort zone. We have a moral obligation to get out there and do what's right and change the laws and, and teach people, again, one part at a time. Well, thank you, Dr. Christie. We're visiting with Dr. Stephen Christie. He is the author uh, of the book Speaking for the Unborn, 30-Second Pro-Life Rebuttals to uh, Pro-Choice Arguments. Um, And when we come back from the break, we'll kind of dive in a little bit to uh, what's in the book, the strategies that he's talking about. Um, How are we called uh, to be pro-life advocates in our daily lives, among our own family, uh, in our own community, wherever God puts us uh, today? So uh, we'll be back after the break with Dr. Stephen Christie. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, We want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. 
For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibas along with Father Brian Christensen, and we are broadcasting from the very icy Rapid City, South Dakota. We are in the Our Lady Perpetual Help broadcast booth. Hi, atop Our Lady of Perpetual Help, a.k.a. Father Brian's office. Well, we don't have to know everything. I mean, it's not television. This is radio. (laughs) Thank goodness. It's not television. And as they say, I have a face Face for radio. radio. Uh, You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we have been visiting a delightful conversation and an important conversation um, with Dr. Stephen Christie, the author, attorney, doctor, um, who uh, has... uh, Contributed to the the pro uh, life cause in, in wonderful ways, and most recently now with this uh, new book release, speaking for the unborn, thirty second pro life rebuttals to pro choice arguments. Um, doctor, can you just visit with us a little bit about um, what somebody would find in the book and, and why it might be helpful for uh, everyday um, Christians in our in our world today and people of good. Of good, good faith, you know, uh, of good, uh, good heart. Absolutely. So we talk about the strategy that we talk about where we speak, and so the book also addresses how we speak and what we speak. So the how, you know, even though these conversations, arguments usually end up heated on some parts, we don't do that. You know, we speak kindly and charitably and intelligently and persuasively, and we've made these rebuttals. So what we've done is we I've collected all, literally all that I've come up and I've ever heard all of the pro-choice arguments. And each argument is laid out, and then we offer multiple options of rebuttals. Each one is 30 seconds long. They're clear. Um, they're convincing. 
um, and user-friendly. So if you read them and study them a little bit, you can recall them. You don't have to recall them word for word, but you recall them as sort of as, as bullet points. And, and mostly none of these arguments are original with me. I've modified them. I've added them. I've, I've rephrased some of them to make them, uh, I think, a little stronger. And then we, I list their sources and citations so the proper people get credit, and then additional reading for each one. So you, when somebody hands you an argument, you're not sure how you respond to that. You turn to the book, you find where it is, and you rehearse it and practice it. You can use that. Now you have that information at, at, you know, at disposal when, you, when you're having these conversations with people. Um, it, it goes along with a website called speakingfortheunborn.org that has other references. It has a teaching videos. <clears throat> excuse me, teaching videos out there about the science and the background and the law uh, and embryology surrounding these issues about abortion. It's got uh, photographs of embryos and fetuses, so you can, when somebody says to you, you know, at, at 10 weeks it's only a clump of cells, you can say, hey, can I show you a picture of this clump of cells? And they'll, they'll be shocked. It's got um, animations of the abortion procedures, so you can actually speak the truth to, to the people that you're talking to. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that um, many uh, of uh, our listeners who are pro-life and hold that deeply, and you said earlier, it's not sufficient for us to simply be you know, against abortion, to be pro-life, but also to um, you know, witness to it and to um, counter this culture of death uh, that's, uh, that's in the world today. But oftentimes we'll find it within our own families, within our workplace, among our friends. Um, and as you said, it can be an uncomfortable situation to, to counter that. Uh, can you kind of talk about working through that overcoming, I guess, a fear and anxiety of bringing up the topic or addressing the topic when it does come up? Yeah, I find practice gets you gets you through that process. So you have the first time you're going to do it, you're going to be shaky, you're going to be nervous, and don't think you're going to conquer the world on your first outing. But mm-hmm. pick one argument that you feel comfortable practicing and learning, and when that comes up with somebody, and not in a in a public setting where you're holding a microphone, where you're opening yourself and making yourself vulnerable and nervous, but maybe talking with somebody who you're very close with, who disagrees with you on this subject, and just say, you know, I was thinking about this my body, my choice thing. And let me tell you my thinking on the subject. So you're not sticking somebody in the eye with your opinion. You want to have a discussion. You want to open their hearts. You know, there's a saying that I, that, I, that I love to hear during these discussions. And for me, my goal is not for somebody to say, oh, I agree with you 100% immediately, and now they're pro, pro-life. That's not usually realistic. But what, what I hope to hear these people say is something like this. They say to me, you know, that's interesting. I never really thought about it that way before. And for me, that's the sound of the heart opening up to the truth. And so that's the goal. So when people need that little courage to talk with their family members, you know, don't think you're changing the world with one argument and, and being ready for battle. We're not going to battle. We're going to talk with people we, we love and respect and having a meaningful conversation. And sometimes to win hearts, we don't have to win the argument. Sometimes you lose an argument, and it's okay. But you're mm-hmm. kind and respectful, and people will have respect for your opinions if you present it that way. Yeah, you know, and uh, that plays out in so many different ways in our culture today. And it seems that we as Christians and as Catholic men and women uh, need to really have that spirit that St. Paul talks about, about speaking the truth with love. Like, I care about you, and I care about this topic, and I care about this thing. And, okay, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we may not have some kind of agreement at the end, but hopefully, as you said, we open minds and we open hearts uh, to the argument. can you t- just share a little bit about some of the examples uh, of, you know, my, you know, my body, my choice, um, I'm, I would never have an abortion myself, but who am I to say that somebody else should, like some of these things that we hear from the, mm-hmm. um, the pro-abortion side, what, what, what are some of the rebuttals sure. that you so, would recommend so, to you our know, the listeners? Class, you know, th- yeah, so the book has 
every one of these laid out. So, you know, if when somebody gives you the classic first one, you're always going to hear is my body, my choice. And, and you can break that down into the my body and the my choice rebuttal. So when somebody says to you, you know, it's my body, it's my bodily integrity and autonomy, I always say, I agree with them. I say I fully, you know, support the right of a woman to do whatever she wants with her own body. I just, I just don't believe she has the right to do whatever she wants to someone else's body. And a pregnancy always involves two bodies, sometimes even more. And with respect to my choice, I agree. I say, yes, a woman should always have the right to choose. Um, the choice she has, though, is not whether or not to kill her baby. It's whether or not she, to have sex in the first place. And when she chooses to have sex, she does so with the full knowledge that there's a real possibility she may create a new living human being inside her. And it's certainly reasonable, then, for society to expect that adult who consented to that risk to live temporarily, you know, temporarily with inconvenience, even significant inconvenience if the alternative is killing a child. So I say, I'm very pro-choice also, just with one less choice than you. I believe you can choose abstinence or motherhood or adoption. I just don't believe you can choose to kill your baby. You know, we say the right to swing your fist ends just before it touches my nose. Mm-hmm. So that's, those are the types of arguments we say, and there's a million of them. But one of the things I also I always say to people, and it's in the book, is, you know, the opportunity to defend a pro-life position is fairly common. It usually arises when you least expect it. And you might get only one chance to make your case. You've got to make it count. So in my book, I have, I say, everybody should have a 30-second summary memorized, you know, why you're pro-life. And, and hit somebody with it when they bring up the topic. Because on the other side, they're not prepared to articulate their position. I, ha- I don't know if we have time, but yeah, we mine goes like this. I, I say I'm pro-life because I'm pro-science. There's overwhelming scientific consensus that life begins with conception. And I'm pro-life because social justice begins in the womb. Every living human being is entitled to the most fundamental of human rights, the right to life itself, because being a burden on someone is never justification for killing them. And I'm pro-life because I'm pro-woman. Abortion degrades women, treating their fertility as a defect and enabling men to use and abandon women at their most vulnerable. Abortion never empowers women, only the men who wish to exploit them. And I'm pro-life because I'm against violence. Abortion is not only immoral, but an act of extreme violence against the most vulnerable, I'm pro-life because of the visible evidence, because ultrasound and now MRI clearly show the world what's moving inside a woman's body, and that's a living baby. And lastly, I'm pro-life because of an objective morality. If abortion is the killing of an unborn child, then it's immoral and cowardly to remain silent, and that's why I'm pro-life. And then I ask, why aren't you? And invariably, the person you're talking to is stunned into silence. Maybe they'll throw out a, you know, a cliche or an attack, but we have to have this at our, you know, at our... Mm. available to us. And when we meet somebody, if you can articulate your position in this one 30-second shot, you can really you can really change people's hearts. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it sounds like just an incredible, uh, valuable resource. Um, doctor, how would people get a hold of uh, your book, Speaking for the Unborn? It's available now for pre-order from the publisher or from Amazon. You can just, Speaking for the Unborn, and Stephen Christie, S-T-E-V-E-N, or you can go to the website um, that accompanies this, speakingfortheunborn.org. You can order the book. You can watch for free all the teaching videos. You can download uh, the videos. You can watch abortion animations. You can watch videos and photographs of embryos um, that are deeply moving uh, and, and uh, of embryos and fetuses. And when somebody says, you know, abortion is, is just rendering women unpregnant, you can say, hey, do you mind if I show you an animation of what a... What a a DNC is. And these people, you know, are often you know, driven to tears. They say, I had no idea what an abortion was. So, and, and be careful, you don't obviously show this to young people, but, but you know, we have to bring the truth out. And the, you know, the, the truth really changes hearts, unlike anything else. And these photographs 
often often you know speak for, for them in ways that you know and that we can't do. They it's sort of like letting the unborn speak for themselves, uh, and it, they're deeply moving these photographs. So speakingfortheunborn.org. What are some of the experiences that you've had? Maybe um, you know challenging uh, engagements that you've had with colleagues or other people, uh, you know, on the pro-abortion side that that have resulted in some kind of change of heart, change of mind. Do you have some examples that you can share with our listeners this morning? Sure. You know, so I, I do a, do this a fair, uh, uh, you know fairly often, and it's unbelievably rare that I can't commit. And, and I'm not particularly great at this. I've studied it and I've looked at this, but I'm just an average guy. But that's almost almost always I can get anybody on the other side to agree no abortions after 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously I'd like, I'd like to have no abortions at all, but that's a great start. You know, I believe in incrementalism. You know, one step at a time. Let's get, let's get what we, the wins that we can get under our belt and then move, you know, backward, I guess, is the right term. Sure. So 12 weeks is always a common thing. I, I've had one or two people ever, and one was actually my closest friend's mother, who was almost a second mother to me, and she turned to me and she said to me, you know, look, abortion is murder, but I have the right to murder a baby. And those are, those are tough lines. <laughs> that's the, sort of a tough line to, 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 you know, right. to fight against. And, you know, when, that, when, you ever, when you ever meet somebody, that's very rare when somebody's advocating murder, and proudly so. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, again, you, you never know when you plant that seed that's going to change their heart, but you, again, you don't stick it them in the eye. You, can, you know, if you... If you, if nothing else, you can say. Well, maybe I don't applaud your compassion, but I, I do appreciate your candor and your honesty. And you know, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll 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 marshal our own fans to the the, the booths, the the polling booths, and and we'll try to change the laws to you know to, to reflect our opinions. And hopefully, the pro life side is going to is going to win. And it, and we have we have lots of reasons to be very optimistic now. Yeah, you know, uh, we're going to later in our show here today visit with some of our young people, high schoolers, college students uh, that are on this pro-life side. And so it's very exciting. Well, Dr. Stephen Christie, we're coming to the end of our time here. Thank you so much for uh, your witness of faith uh, as, a, as a husband, uh, as a father, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as an author, and somebody who stands proudly with Christ uh, for pro-life. So uh, we're very grateful for your time, and God bless you in the success of your new book, which is Speaking for the Unborn, 30-second pro-life rebuttals to pro-choice arguments. Thank you, Dr. Stephen Christie. Live, engaging, and local, this is All right, Real Dr. Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.